Let's do a group rar. Ready? Yeah, One, yeah. two, three. Rar. 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 <laughs> now that's all you need to do to join the team. Can you see that area behind me beneath the red tinted sky? That is what's left of Raccoon City. Our platoon is cut off. No survivors found. gonna die! Wait, don't shoot! Down! I lost all my men because of her! All is lost. Cries of agony. Spurs! Unity breeds power. Greetings and welcome to the 26th Crimson Head Podcast, showcasing Resident Evil Village and everything we know so far about this gothic vampiric celebration. My name is Joe White, your host for tonight and the voice actor for Chris Redfield in the remake, back when he was less crotchety and could still fit into his star's uniform. Boy, that was, uh, that was a long time ago. I'm now a star's muffin top. <laughs> uh, join, joining me in the Crimson Head Mansion, as always, are my fellow Crimson Head elders, the Oracle Dragon. Hello, everyone. Mr. George Trevor, the Architect. Hi, good evening. And the newest member of the team, Zombie Girl. Rawr. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most adorable rar. <laughs> I have a quick question first I need to ask. Should I be worried that my hand sanitizer is called Nemesis? Oh. Nemesis EH2O. Bit worried what I'm spraying my hands with. <laughs> Zombie girl, tell us. Who are you? What are you doing here? Uh, <laughs> why I'm here is to piss. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would say probably about the same reason everybody else is here. I'm a huge nerd. Yay. I was lucky enough when I was younger that I got into video games fairly hard, honestly, and um, it gave me an outlet, I suppose, to something that was frustrating me at school. If I failed a quiz that day, you know, in middle school or high school, I would turn to video games and it was just an outlet for frustration. And Resident Evil, certainly, when I finally came back to it, it uh, helped me with writing again. I want to one day aspire to be an author, fingers crossed on that one, <laughs> um, but I had stepped away from it for a very long time, writing and playing games. Finally, one day, I was like, I want to write a book. I had been wanting to write for a very long time, and, you know, what do I want to write? And I saw, <laughs> funny enough, a fan fiction for uh, Resident Evil, and I didn't see anything I liked, so I'm like, that's it. I'm coming out of the woodwork. I'm going to write a fan fiction. And uh, two nice. years later, I'm starting to write my own book. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> that book is a uh, zombie theme for sure. Oh, I can't wait to read it. When does it come out? Never. I don't <laughs> <laughs> How I was 
gonna try to throw off the audience in chapter one literally the first paragraph the first page is uh my character who is the same character from my fan fiction madeline she is standing in a like a target pharmacy area looking at pregnancy tests and that was the opening to this book <laughs> uh-huh and figured that would be a really good way to somebody's like oh this is just gonna be a a regular romance or something and then oh no literally within chapter two or three there's zombies (laughs) (laughs) my favorite resident evil game i have to give that to the original too if you'd asked me when i was 12 i would have said re4 but by the time i turned 17 i was like uh i don't like that game anymore (laughs) i might get judged for that um RE2, hands down, is my favorite one. I think RE2 has the best personification. You know, you see Ada, Leon, and Claire. Just the storyline, you know, it's a continuation of one. Chris's disappearance hasn't just affected stars. It's affected his sisters. Now she's been pulled into all this. So now we have gotten multiple games with her and it's spinoffs with her. And then Leon, as, you know, for whatever people want to say, considering some of the choices Capcom has made with this character, um, <sighs> he has definitely earned Capcom a lot of money over the years. <laughs> and uh, But again, a 2 is my favorite version of him as well, just because... They were all so naive and just new to everything that was going on with Umbrella. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> Joe's sitting there, fingers crossed that you're going to say Remake. I love Remake too, actually. <laughs> um, well, if we're going with the original games, it's RE2. But if we're going with the remakes, Remake 1 is hands down my favorite of the remakes. Remake 2 Aww. is good. Remake 3 is, to me, the physical form of disappointment. But uh... <laughs> Welcome to the team. <laughs> I'm playing 3Make right now. I got to a point where you have to go under the power station and there's those little bug things that attack you while you turn on the power. I finally made it through that. That took forever. I just, I could not get through it. And I finally parked myself in a corner and just shot. I have the unlimited uh, handgun. (laughs) So I just (laughs) kept shooting. And I finally made it through that. But now she's at like 0.1% health. And the Uh-oh. next thing that you have to do is you have to run down that alley to get to the power station to turn it back on for the subway. And that's when what's his name pops out through the wall and I can't get past him because all he has to do is like, look at her and she dies because she's <laughs> so low on health and I don't have any first aid I spray. Do, but I love that when Resident Evil checkmates you, like I've had that before where I haven't actually been killed by an enemy and I'm in a save room. But I'm so low on ammo and so low on health. I've been broken by the survival horror. Onto the main section of the podcast as we listen to and respond to your call-ins. What, you thought we were going to start the Resident Evil Village discussion? It's our 10th anniversary, we deserve a day off, so we asked for your call-ins and you did not disappoint, covering Capcom's Resident Evil Village Showcase. We will of course be dissecting and deliberating each call-in, starting with a vampire expert who goes by the name of Yoke. Hey everyone, Yoke here. Here are my thoughts on Resident Evil 8 so far. 
Man, this is a pretty cool reimagining of Resident Evil 4, isn't it? I've seen a few people uh, kind of pissed off that it has a lot of similarities to 4. Me, personally, I don't mind it at all. Uh, some people are seeing this as a complete departure from Resident Evil, but it seems like every game that gets released, we get farther and farther down the road of like not being what Resident Evil used to be, and I've just accepted it, and I'm looking forward to seeing how good this is. The visuals themselves look absolutely stunning. The castle seems bright and colorful. The catacombs or dungeons seem really dark and creepy. Enemy designs are a lot better from Resident Evil 7. main issue people had with Resident Evil 7 was the lack of enemies. This, so far within this uh, gameplay trailer, has a lot more enemy variety than anything we've seen in a while. And personally, it's just shaping up to be a pretty good game in itself. The only issue I have right now is where this is not really a Resident Evil game. They seem to be holding on to Umbrella, to Chris. I think that's kind of the issue with the series right now is we're clinging on to these old things that don't really matter anymore. And it's just mind-boggling to me. Now one of the biggest takeaways from this, and that's not a pun intended, is uh, the addition of Lady D and the Vampire Ladies. Personally, I don't have an issue with them being sexual anyway. Because like whenever you look in the Vampire Mythos, sexuality is a big proponent in it. I just don't understand why people are mad at the addition of Lady D and the Vampire Ladies. And I do agree some of the fan art out there is kind of weird, but then again, every fan art's kind of weird in a way. So to me, this shows like how hype people outside the fandom are for this game, which is pretty crazy how good this series is of bringing in people who don't really care about the series. And also, when's the last time anyone gave a fuck about any of the villains in the series to this degree? To me, what this shows is Lady D, the Vampire Ladies, and even like Duke. To me, these are all very charismatic and very fun individuals, and I honestly cannot wait to fight them in the game. Yoke knows a lot about vampiric lore. Oh, yeah. Because he's a very vampiric lore guy. <laughs> yeah. He was the chap that I think I saw tweet out the that there is that Japanese legend vampire stories that relate back to a type of vampire that's very very tall i can't for the life of me remember the name but it, it's a kind of a breed a type of of vampire genre storytelling which involves very very tall vampires which they probably got inspiration from you know in terms of it being a remake of four i'm not so sure that that's an accurate description from what i've seen so far Yes, it, it is a similar situation in that you're going into a village before getting into the main part of the game, but that might be as far as it goes in terms of resembling four. I think that Yoke makes two really good points. One of them is the sexualizing, the sexuality of the vampires. And I think that's great observation that in the vampiric traditions, that sexuality is always an aspect of the vampire. And I think that goes toward them needing to seduce people into a position where they can take advantage of them. Very often that seduction is part of it's the spider's trap. It's the it's the placing the honey in the trap to get them in so that they can suck their blood. I mean, let's let's face it. At the end of the day, it's all about sucking with vampires. Uh, oh <laughs> blood. I'm talking about sucking your blood. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, it all comes down to them biting you and living off of your essence. So the sexuality is a honey trap for the unwary. And I also really liked Yoke's take on getting more personal with the enemies. And I think that making the enemies more accessible and relatable and not as one-dimensional as they have been in the past is a great thing because you can have a deeper, the main character can actually have more of a relationship with the bad guys 
when you have a bad guy who is is not just an empty-minded um, yeah. monster, yeah. then you're dealing with logic. Then you're dealing with a bad guy who has a deeper reason for wanting to kill you. Yeah, than just, just like a virus outbreak. Right. And so the tension is ratcheted up. The whys and the wherefores. Why are we doing this? Why is this person in this situation? It, it all be, gets more complex. And I, I think that that adds to the depth of the story. And it, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how the relationship between Ethan and Madame Dimitrescu plays out. Capcom, please stop killing off villains. Yeah. Seriously, every time you introduce us a villain, you kill them off at the very end of the game. You introduced us to Tall Lady D here, and we all know you're going to kill her off. And the first time in the series, it's some, the entire fan base is going crazy over a character, and you're most likely going to kill them off. Seriously. That should tell you not do that. It would be nice to have her stay alive, at least to get learn more information about her. Although Instead of, feel, oh, hi, I'm Lady D, I'm dead. See, Albert Wesker kind of felt like an antagonist that could sort of span different yeah. stories and different games. I wonder, Lady D feels very much part of this Transylvanian scenario. I just I just wonder, how how would she be if you took her into a maybe warmer climate? <laughs> but yeah, like, but like, like with Wesker, you were saying, every time he they brought him back into the series, we get to learn more about him and what he's been doing. Good point, with yeah. Lady D, they just introduce us to her like she's a tall lady, she's probably a vampire witch. Okay, is the game going to tell us more about her? Is she going to survive so we can learn more about her history like we did with Wesker? Or oh, is she just going to be turned into a pile of ash in the ground after you shine flashlight into her? <laughs> it's Moriarty, isn't it? What you want is you want to have a Sherlock Holmes Moriarty character where no one's really even sure that Moriarty's a real person. I love the idea that there's this evil character that's out there that's your personal nemesis and they're committing crimes and they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And there's a personal connection between the hero and that character. So if there's a great personal connection between Ethan or Chris and Lady D, that uh, Lady D becomes their ongoing, you know, I, I can never be free because there's this evil nemesis out there in the world that I don't know where they are right now. I don't know what they're, but they're planning something horrible. So that goes to what you're saying, Oracle Dragon, about, you know, having these characters exist beyond a single game. It's like Umbrella is kind of like that. Umbrella is this bad guy that's always there. If you ever kill Umbrella, then you've killed the, the franchise. You killed the soul. Uh, right. You killed the soul because they're always the ones behind this. What I'm hoping is that we've learned some kind of connection between Umbrella and Lady D. The reason for all of the evil in Resident Evil is chemical. It's all science. Even though it looks supernatural, it all comes back to it being these experiments with yeah. genetics yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And I think any sufficient technological Arthur C. Clarke quote, any technology that's sufficiently advanced appears to be magic. That's what we're dealing with in eight, I believe. I think all of these vampires and whatnot all boils down to some kind of genetic testing. Joe, there is a line from the game Outlast, and it goes like this. The doctor told me once if you showed a caveman our technology, he would think it was magic. And if you show yeah. a modern man magic, he would think it was technology. We have faith in all the wrong things, and it will destroy us. That's great. You could totally play with that. That's yeah. part of the psychology of this game. Is it real? Are vampires real? Are they demons? Is this actually good versus evil? Or is it just the result of technology gone wild? Well, I referenced the map because you've got Castle Dimitrescu. You've got 
Moreau's Reservoir. You've got House and- Beneviento, but you've got Heisenberg's factory. And if you actually look at the map, you can see what clearly looks like, an, uh, perhaps if it's going to be a gameplay area of the game, this factory scenario. So that might be where what you're alluding to, Joe, that might be the catalyst. You know, something going Right. There's something uh, going on there to create more monsters. The- They're trying to create some sort of super weapon, right? They're cr- trying to create a being that is the ultimate weapon. Isn't that Umbrella's raison d'etre? Yes, I mean, that's absolutely. that's their whole reason for what they do. Teasing that, we have this not exact Umbrella logo, but this this logo that that links the four houses that we see that on that stone relief that is very similar to the Umbrella logo. Whether that was an inspiration for you know Spencer, you know when they were formulating Umbrella. Going back to that collector's edition map, <laughs> thanks again, Capcom, for kind of having a, a major bit of law information in this slightly obscure package. We've had this before with, with information on Blue Umbrella being in pamphlets only available in airsoft guns in Japan. And now yeah. we have this, this collector's edition map, which really sheds far more light on that stone relief we saw that has the four houses. You referenced it, Joe, about witches or vampires and Oracle was asking the question earlier, and Capcom have referenced them as witches. I mean, we've seen Lady D. She has her own reflection. She's shown coming from daylight when we just see her, that, that appearance that we get from her, that shock appearance at the very end of Maiden. She doesn't appear to have any fangs, but clearly there's a lot going on with the blood. Not necessarily, you say, Joe, not necessarily in a vampire tradition, but more the blood is very much linked to a biological, a chemical thing. Perhaps it's giving them these kind of these abilities, some sort of infected blood. And throughout history, blood has always been the basis of a lot of magical thinking. Blood magic has always been a thing because blood is the essence of, of life. There's a combination of blood and water. If you look at Christian traditions, it goes back to that idea that blood carries life, that there's power in blood. That's why vampires drink blood. It gives them nutrition, not just physically, but spiritually. We've seen in the trailers, haven't we, so many references to rituals and the villagers holding hands in a circle. I was thinking of uh, bloodletting to uh, release the, the demons that were making the body sick. Absolutely. Yeah. Back in medieval times, you know, you, you had barbers who were doctors opening a vein. <laughs> there are great images, paintings of people slumped in chairs with their arms over the, the arm of the chair with a pan below it with blood dripping out of their arm and this was supposedly a medical procedure to remove (laughs) the bad humors from the body of course the person died because (laughs) you drained their blood yeah you got the demons out you also killed them because you depleted their blood supply in england outside of barbers we have that feature where you have a like a spinning it's white and it has red coming down it it looks like a child's toy because as the thing spins the red lines it basically okay. references back to when the blood dripping down people. And it's outside every English, traditional English barber. Oh, the, the pole. Yeah, that's from just the streaming blood. Holy <laughs> crap. I never knew that. That's arterial blood and because arterial blood is blue. Lots of them just have red, but there are a few that have red and blue. Yeah. And I always used to wonder what's the blue in the red and blue ones. The blue is oxygen that's returning to the heart to be oxygenated. Blue is blood that has been depleted of oxygen and okay. is now going back to the heart to have oxygen from the lungs it's pumped just, back just, into it. That becomes red. The two major arteries in the body, they they are colored based on that, I think, because yeah. one blue. is deprived of the oxygen and one wow. is, okay. has oxygen in it. 
I never made that connection with a barber pole. Yeah, the pole that goes outside with the red goes down diagonally. When the wind yeah. blows, it spins around. That's really interesting, bloodletting barber pole. <laughs> There's a little history of the barber pole right there. I never made that connection. And I only thought of that when Zombie Girl talked about bloodletting. I'm fascinated to see how, because there's obviously been this sort of controversy and this contention over how paranormal, how contextually apparitions will fit in, into the Resident Evil narrative and whether it's just a hallucination. And I picked up on a line that Peter Fabiano pointed out where he stated, the creatures will all fit within the context of Resident Evil's world, you know, that they hadn't forgotten about the Resident Evil world and that he wanted to assure fans that Resident Evil Village takes place and will takes into account the overall world and history of the series. So I'm quite interested how that is going to ring true, how they are going to, you know, how these left field eclectic cast of characters that kind of reminded me of of the Code Veronica form, yeah, how they are actually going to fit into the biology of the series. If I were Capcom, I would want people to be assuming all kinds of stuff before the game comes out. And I, I would love for there to be multiple theories about how that's going to be played out. I would be sitting back going, yeah, okay, everybody make your theories because it's not going to be that. And you're going to be happy with what you get. And that kind of speaks to a good point that Yoke makes. Recently, they're very good, Capcom, at making people that aren't necessarily interested in the series that will just maybe more casually pick up the game, but still be very enthralled with it. And I noticed that very much with Resident Evil 7. I saw that exemplified in the vast range of different streamers, more of a broader range of streamers streaming Resident Evil 7. Going forward, Resident Evil 8, and some people have speculated whether this is going to be on on launch day, one of the biggest selling titles that Capcom have ever produced. And I, I think it's looking that way. The hype for this game is crazy. When they introduced us to Lady D, everybody was like, eh, eh, this looks okay. But as soon as they revealed her height, it's the nonstop talking. The fan base has gone crazy over a character we know very little about. Everybody's like, oh, this is going to be the best game. Oh, yeah. Last time anybody got really hyped up about it was probably, what, never? <laughs> it's fantastic the community really is in a great place at the moment and it's nothing but a positive thing that there is this huge excitement and particularly when resident evil 7 didn't play well with every section of the community as oracle there alludes to we got further details on the cast of mysterious female antagonists mother miranda and to Aculites. The trailer did further define their roles with the revelation that Ethan Winters has escaped from that fool Heisenberg and is loose in the castle, showing that he was too much for her daughters to handle. We're presuming, aren't we, that the daughters are those wraiths, those banshee wraiths that we see. The witchy uh, vampire ladies. Yes. Oh, it's been a while since I had some man's blood. <laughs> <laughs> If they're turning in from flies back to normal or whatever these horsefly creatures are, how are they forming metal objects? How are they forming weapons? They have freaking weapons at hand, and every time they turn into bugs, it turns into bugs too, which don't make any sense. <laughs> Maybe what we don't see is the bugs in one big swarm are carrying the weapons. <laughs> <laughs> they're harvesting sickles. Do not want to get hit with those. If she used it on his leg. She pretty much hooked him through the bone and just dragged him. Oh, yeah. That felt so painful. The things on the vampires, that is an interesting aspect. I would also say that it's not just baiting and trapping to get your prey. When you think of vampires, like I think of Fright Night, and I think of, wow, this is a high school girl, and this master vampire is going for her. Like, there's no, you know, I was just poking fun at it. Like, there's no (laughs) underage uh, age limit (laughs) going on here, and uh, this is a vampire. This guy is, like, however many years old, like, 
vampires are more animal than they are human yeah. at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, you think about how warped your priorities become when you physically have to feed yes. on another human being's fresh blood in order to live. Yeah. You know, your priorities change <laughs> at that point. Yeah. You start respecting people's personal space a lot less at that point. <laughs> I was going to say morals have just gone out the window yeah, at that point. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> it becomes a uh, you or me situation at that point. I like that you pointed out about the castle. Fire empires always had the rustic royalness to them wherever they live, usually. Like, the vampires always live in a beautiful castle. The castle mm. is a false sense of security. It makes you feel like, oh, you're safe here because of the bright lighting, right. the comfortness yeah. of the furniture, yeah. until you've seen the small details, like the blood in the cup on the one table. Then you go into another room, and then you see more blood in another cup and all that stuff. And then it makes me wonder if the other location, like Heisenberg and all the other stuff, is the Heisenberg factory going to be, like, all hot and sweaty with a lot of machinery? Is the one place going to be damp and wet? constantly with the sense of eeriness because of the water that is supposedly near to will the witches area the one people think that's the top left corner of the village map are they going to be like gypsies with the flashy colorations and the weird charms and the goat heads and stuff they each have their own unique feeling of environment but what i really liked it was mentioned in the showcase that this is going to be one seamless map to explore rather than what I haven't liked before that we've had with games like Revelations and, and Resident Evil 5 and, and 4, that episodic stage where after each episode, the one before it, every time you move on, the one before it is locked off to you. The original Resident Evil 3, when you're going around collecting the files to make Jill's diary, at one point, in order to collect the files in the right order, you have to go all the way back, right to the beginning. Whereas, yes. you know, with games like Revelations 4 and 5, these episodes that then just lock off these prior stages to you really makes the experience feel linear to have one seamless map i'm really looking forward to that i am too yeah that's a, that's a really good point really let's good. all just admit since this game comes out we're going to spend hours just walking around exploring <laughs> oh totally i can't wait but isn't that what we loved about remake the spencer mansion absolutely yes. and now a call in from bloody eye bloody eye here hello crimson head elder george trevor Joe White, the voice of Chris Redfield and Richard Hernia Aiken, the Oracle Dragon. And may I take a moment here to welcome Zombie Girl, the newest member of the podcast. I'm here to talk about Resident Evil Village. It's what we're all here for, right? I have many thoughts on what we've seen so far and many questions but I thought I would take the time to pose one to you, the team. We've seen the molded so far, and I have a worry that this particular new pathogen will be used as a plot device, not unlike the C-Virus in Resident Evil 6. It seems to be leaning into fantasy, what with the daughters disappearing and reappearing. What are you guys' thoughts on what the mold might potentially be used for in the story, and are my fears unfounded? What say you? Thank you. Thank you, Bloody Eye, for that call-in. I think Bloody Eye is going for your gig, Joe. That was a fantastic Resident Evil he did. Yeah, it really was. And um, I'm already um, issuing a uh, cease and desist order to him. <laughs> Get out. Resident Evil Village. <laughs> yeah, I am pleased that Joe mentioned the molded, the virus, and how it's going to be utilized in Village. We know there is definitely that continuation personified in the baby. It has to be why this baby is so sought after and any special abilities the baby may have, particularly in the blood and its requirement for the ceremony and its status for the Dimitrescu's is very much steeped in the moulded and the abilities that this baby's had through that exposure. 
I honestly really think that Chris is just using Ethan as a freaking weapon because he's still infected with the molded. Best way to get him to work? Kidnap his daughter. This is a, a method of luring in. We don't know what the essence of Chris is. I think that's what you have to discover in the game. You're talking about the molded and what effect they have on Chris and Ethan. Ethan is infected with it. When do we see that happen in 7? He's exposed to the mold through Mia when she attacks him. Yeah, because when he wakes up, you can see his arm, his hands being stapled back on. The only way that's possible is through the mold. Yeah, the rejuvenation. There's an infection report that kind of references one of the abilities of the mold is the limbs can regenerate straight away. They can't ah, right, amputate right. off the test subject, various limbs, and, and they were seen to be growing back. That's when Ethan's see. infected. Mia, when she's on the, am I right to think, guys, when she's on the cruise ship with Evelyn? Yeah, she gets vomited yeah. on with all the mold. <laughs> that would do it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're thinking that Ethan is carrying this mold Yes. Am I right to think this oracle that the uh, the serum is used to, to cure Mia, but Ethan remains infected at the end? Yeah, he was only able to make two doses. He gave one to Mia and he used the other one on Jack to stop him. And that right. was it. That was all they had. And, and I highly doubt Blue Umbrella had any of the stuff because they were after Evie too. Oh, I think it's going to play a huge role. Ethan and Mia having that baby, she's somehow going to be influenced by mold because I believe Seven did end with one or both of them still infected with it. And yeah. no doubt that that is going to affect the baby's DNA. It's, it's got to. And out. there's nothing more terrifying than babies. No, that's true. Actually, <laughs> little girl babies. <laughs> <laughs> Innocent little girl baby. There's nothing more potentially evil. As a father of a teenage boy, I might tend to disagree with that. But, uh, <laughs> It can be extremely unnerving when you get these images that, that taken in a different context can be very innocent and pure. That's what breaks your heart about it. When you realize that it's the baby that's evil and that you have to kill the baby, that's why you make the baby evil. That's why you make the baby infected. But you know that the baby's not evil. It's, it's, there's something evil in the baby that you have to get out of the baby. I really felt for Evelyn. I mean, she, although she yeah. was personified as an old woman, she had a short life. And the last line, why does everybody hate me? And then just suddenly in that moment, I just completely looked at Resident Evil 7 from the context from sort of the worldview of Evelyn and how she was she just, a victim. You know, completely a victim. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The whole family were victims. If you really understand what happened to them and why they became what they became, they weren't evil people. Look at the photographs. They were, they were yeah. a family. All that little Evie wanted was a family. Yeah, that's true. In a twisted kind of way. What is it about the mold that desires? Did the mold twist her desire for a family? As a normal human, she desired a family because that's what children want. The development of the Evelyn as a bioweapon, she was artificially aged from embryo form to 13. So missing out on that family and being taken straight to 13 as opposed to, you know, finding out what an enriched family life is like. Uh -huh. I'm thinking maybe that had something to do with it, like you're alluding to as well, the uh, the symptoms of the infection of the virus that she's been infected with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what twisted. So you've got a real healthy desire for a family that's being twisted by the effects of the mold. Well, the purpose when it was being developed was to put a combatant behind enemy lines. And it would be very easily for a 13-year-old girl to infiltrate into, you know, society oh, during warfare, getting away from the tyrant, you know, obvious super soldier looking to kind of like a, a clandestine infiltration. I see. I see. 
for all we know, they could not be involved with the mold, and they found out, oh, she's a special, a little gifted girl with this virus, so let's kidnap her, or at least have somebody do that for us. Let's drink her blood. It might extend our life or give us new powers, but we don't know. I think there's something definitely in that because one of the houses, you've got House Moreau, and I don't know if I'm reading too much in it, but you know, you've got Dr. Moreau on his island splicing animals and humans yeah. together. Whether there's that kind of element that's going to creep into this, I'm open to as many of these horror elements across the spectrum that, that Capcom want to put in. For me, it's always been about the gameplay. And whereas you take something like Resident Evil 5, that in terms of canon and information that it was adding to the timeline was perfection and, and really had a lot and was very valuable valuable to the actual the canon timeline but in terms of the gameplay for me personally couldn't be as far from what i want in a resident evil game seven and eight perhaps for some people the narrative is kind of a bit skewed and outside of the resident evil worldview this is why i'm loving what i saw in the maiden demo ideally what i want to see out of resident evil i think the castle is going to be at least half of what all the other areas make up it looks huge we've hardly seen any of the castle really if you think about it from that maiden demo i'm only going to be slightly let down if it perhaps isn't at least as large as the spencer mansion <laughs> it looks like it'll be bigger because you know there's all the all the the separate modules of that castle i mean it, it looks like it's much more like a much more complex environment than the spencer mansion was I love the architecture and lighting and the design of this castle and the clothing that these girls and Lady uh, Dimitrescu oh, yes, is uh, yes. wearing. It's very Victorian. It, it takes you back to an older era. It reminded me that style zombie girl, almost like 1920s that you get in The Shining in the ballroom. Yes. The scene when the apparitions of the ball from the 1920s. So sinister. And that's what I love about this. The one room I am very excited to check out when you get to see it in the Maiden demo, I want to see that torture room because some of the things I've seen in that room, like I didn't know it was a thing until I watched the Maiden demo, but they have this bucket in one room. There's a bucket underneath of what looks like this cast iron skeletal thing. Like it's clearly it's hung up from the ceiling. It's meant to put a human being in there and drain them of blood. And I saw that and I was like, ooh, <laughs> feel bad yeah. for that person. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the sort of stuff we haven't seen since Alfred Ashford's Palace of the Insane. Mm. Yeah, I'm loving all this. From the first Aid Spray podcast, very kind to send in a call in, we have Steve. Hello, Crimson Head Elder. This is Steve from First Aid Spray. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for Village. I know a lot of people are going to be going on about how this tall lady is going to step on them and all these other things, but I'm just like, I'm really intrigued by the environment. We haven't had snow in a Resident Evil setting in a good while, excluding a little bit in 6 and Revelations 1, and you could argue, I guess, the Antarctic Basin Code, Veronica. All right, that's a lot of settings, but we haven't had a proper, fully explored, outdoor, snowy woodland setting and a village, and I suppose a bootleg Castlevania in uh, Castle Dimitrescu, which looks very interesting on the whole. I, I like going through these kind of environments, especially in something as fancy as the RE engine. The gameplay, I don't see the reason why it should be a concern, but... I'm wondering how it's going to go, because they, they, they have said it's going to be more action-focused, akin to RE4, but Ethan doesn't strike me as that much of a uh, a gun-toting badass. I get the feeling there's going to be it's going to be more measured than uh, what we came up against in uh, that lonely and rural part of Europe. I have no real complaints. The lore looks like it's going to be interesting. The Maiden demo hinted that things that predate Umbrella are going to be a factor. I would appreciate some more stuff there. I think all of us in the old guard kind of really like the mysteries and stuff. And if it's not a uh, an out-and-out retcon and just some like hidden deep lore, I think we're all for it. 
Regarding Ethan and Chris themselves, not for one second do I think that Chris is evil, even though clearly in, in the reveal trailer, he does shoot Mia several times in the face. Yeah, there's always some kind of fake out with these things that we've had evil Chris hinted before and it's never paid off. If it does pay off, I applaud Capcom for going down that route, although I doubt that. So in short, to nutshell it, really looking forward to Village. I hope you guys and girls are too. A couple of things that interest me, I've always wanted Resident Evil to be taken outdoors in in a forest like nighttime, particularly like we got for a brief period with Barry in Revelations 2. I've always been a big fan of that and I thought it was kind of a lost opportunity when Resident Evil 5 played out in the daylight. So I don't know how much of Village is going to be set in a nighttime space, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that taking, like you said, taking Resident Evil out into the snow outside. You guys know me, I love the snow, and the fact that we have a Resident Evil taking place in the snow is always good fun. I just have to wonder if they're going to implement, like, footsteps in the snow, maybe tracks, or if you shoot somebody, maybe there'll be a blood trail you can follow, but only time will tell. But I really do like that work taking place in the snow, because you really have to worry about them freezing to death. Yeah, I love the idea of following blood trails in the snow. Yeah, just imagine you're just walking through the game, and next thing you know, you just see a blood trail. It's like, should I follow that? Should I not? <laughs> I would like to see it. I think it'd be an interesting element in a Resident Evil game, especially if the entire environment incorporates snowy weather. Because, you know, nothing makes you feel colder than when you, you're inside the house, you're all bundled up, you're warm. But you step closer to a window and you just hear the cold rush of air go by and you're like, ooh, that sounds like it's chilly out there. Yeah. You know, I've- well, you saying that reminded me of uh, Star's Tyrant's stream of the Maiden demo because you made the point in relation to the sound design in, I think, the last room that you're in before you then access and unlock the door to where you kind of, you, you know, welcome to the family, son, when you you meet Lady Dimitrescu at the end. Yeah. You stand by the window and Star's was making the point that you can really hear the rushing and the cold air outside and, and was really praising the sound design there. Yeah, I immensely enjoy that because if you're going to go with an environment like that, those kind of details can really can really add to that it, it's cold. I love the way that Silent Hill deal with that in terms of the elements. Downpour uses it, I think, really well with, with the rain and, and that kind of signifies when the enemies are... are, are Shattered memories. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. Obviously the fog, a, a way to hide some of the limitations of the graphics on the first one. I really love the type of imposing melancholy depressing weather that you know really adds to a horror aesthetic i i love the fact that it's more prominent in silent hill i'd like to see it more prominently used in in resident evil so if it is in village you know like steve picks up on there and like you say zombie gun oracle yeah that would be absolutely great remember kids when you play resident evil village always wear your gloves bundle up don't forget your hat and hold that controller close so you don't get cold You know what I really would like them to have do? If we actually see this in the gameplay, the artwork of what he's wearing, he doesn't look like he's really going to be keeping warm. And part of me is thinking, they're probably going to use the elements of the cold against him. But if they don't, that was a missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. In a game, you can put a time clock on something like that. He has to find shelter. And, you know, you see your health bar getting lower and lower the colder you get. It's like in exactly. Rust. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I was just kind of thinking of the stage in, is it seven in the underground mines when there's that poisonous gas and you have to get to an area where the gas isn't filling up? Yeah, you either stay in that area and die or try to get through it as fast as possible without getting sick. Yeah, that'd be absolutely great. And a way to kind of engage you, like connect you with your surrounding environment. Peter Fabiano, didn't he? He said, he said that more than any other Resident Evil game, they really want to emphasize the connection to the environment that you have. The thing that I like about the snow 
is um, the feeling of isolation. And if you've ever taken a walk outside after a heavy snowfall, there's a silence. There's a quality to the sound that a muting to the sound, softening of the sound. For me, you know, like one of my favorite things to do is take a walk in the woods after a heavy snowfall because it's incredibly meditational. It just puts me in this place. And I think for survival horror, I can't think of a better environment than it being super cold outside because it makes you want to be inside this house. Even if the house is haunted or filled with zombies, you feel like it's better to be inside than to be outside freezing your butt off. So I think that that environment, cold, snowy environment, really adds to the whole, it really brings something to the whole vibe. You try listening to the snowfall in the middle of the woods. That's exactly right. There's also something that's foreboding about the cold, mm -hmm. um, especially if you're not equipped for it. Someone being caught out in the cold is, it's a scary feeling because you could die. You're going to start to feel sleepy and then you're going to go to sleep and not wake up. So there's something about that that forces you to go inside. It's like Belle running through the freezing snow forest and she finds this castle and she is compelled to seek refuge inside of it. It's, yeah. you have yeah. to seek refuge from the cold, even if that refuge is a big, scary mansion. If you're stuck in a haunted mansion and there's a blizzard going on outside, where are you safer? It destroys your sense of security. So I think that's a brilliant setting for a situation like this. Have any of you played Rust yet? Have any of you played The Long Dark? The Long Dark no. takes place in the Canadian wilderness during yes. the freaking winter. <laughs> and you pretty much have to survive off the land or whatever supplies you can and dealing with the elements and the animals. Wow. And it's a beautiful storytelling game. And you can play the challenges or you can just do survival mode. But the story is a must play. I did notice he also doesn't believe that they're really going to pull a Chris has gone completely dark side on us. He also has called that he doesn't believe it. I don't know, though. I take the point that we've been faked out before. But at the same time, would you feel almost a little bit cheated if there wasn't some either transgression or character development change in Chris? I'd have to say they'd have to have one hell of a reason for Chris to be completely like gone dark side because I personally cannot see that for his character. I mean, he's gone through a lot of atrocities. He's lost all of his friends because of Wesker and the Stars program. I mean, he only walked out with three of the, was it 13 members, 12? That happened. He's lost almost every platoon since then that he's ever worked with, whether it's BSAA or some other organization. I mean, no wonder he turns to drink and already <laughs> Six. I, by that point, I would myself, you know, if you've lost that many men, I cannot for the life of me ever see him truly going yeah. evil. Not necessarily that he's gone completely to the dark side, but maybe to the gray. Because I am closely related to Chris, <laughs> I do have a stake in who he becomes. I want him to remain on the side of good. But I think it's a great storytelling device to have him appear to be doing something that you're like, what the heck? I don't understand why he's, why would he kill? Has Chris gone over to the dark side? I think that's a great ploy. It's a great plot device. Ultimately, at the end of the day, we're going to find out that he was doing these things for the right reasons. But yeah, I don't mind. Yeah. I, you know, Chris can go down a dark trail. I mean, they can paint him as uh, doing some horrible things. But as long as they redeem him at the end, I'll be happy. I was thinking more in terms of, you know, what we get with Ada Wong. You know, you're not quite sure, is she an antagonist? Is she a protagonist? I remember Oracle on a previous podcast making the great point that she holds a gun at you at the end of RE2 in the original. But if you check the gun at the end, it's actually empty. And now, always with a unique and interesting take on this series, we have a call-in from Elliot Edwards. 
Hello, Crimson Head Podcast. This is Elliot Edward, and my thoughts on Resident Evil Village are not good. For one, I'm not going to be in it due to my world-famous weight loss program. Who knew that losing half your body weight in five seconds would be detrimental to your movie career? Anywho, I think Chris would benefit from my program. Probably make him less angry, too. And tall vampire lady? Really? Give me a pair of stilts and I'll show her who's scary. In all seriousness, though, I look forward to playing Village and seeing what's next along with making some great nightmare fuel from the game's diverse set of characters and creatures. That's all I got for you. Enjoy the other audio recordings and keep fighting the good fight. Elliot Edward signing out. He's always got some funny stuff. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Less angry. What's he talking about? Actually, I felt for you, Joe, earlier when Yoke made a comment. He said something like Chris Redfield is just com- old and completely unimportant anymore. <laughs> it's <just> completely irrelevant. <laughs> right. I just know after that call from Elliot, I can't get out of my head that wonderful image of what happens to Elliot when the um, the shutter comes down on him. Oh, no, he's pulled apart, isn't he? He's pulled apart by zombies. Yeah. Oh. That's why he said half of himself. <laughs> yeah. I can't get that image out of my head now. I've got the image of half of Elliot's body saying in a pair of stilettos in my head. <laughs> <laughs> which one's worse? Yeah. Which, which one's more horrifying? <laughs> So now we have a call in from the First Aid Spray's Cyniac. Hello, Crimson Head family. Cy here from First Aid Spray, delivering a tasty call in for your RE showcase slash village trailer slash maiden demo discussion podcast. For me, I thought the showcase was very strong. I loved what they showed. They didn't show too much. In the weeks since, seen so many discussions and theories based on just small stuff that they've left unexplained, which is absolutely the way it should be. Let the speculation run rife on the lead up to the release. Don't show it all. The umbrella logo got everybody talking. All the different sort of house names got everyone talking. The timing of this got everyone talking. What Chris is up to has got everyone talking. And one thing that I also liked in a way is that they didn't show too much from gameplay. We really have no idea... I suppose if I had a question, it would be how how do you feel about the gameplay so far? Are you concerned about the sort of tip towards a more action focus? Or do you think they're going to run the line between horror and action? We've seen a little bit of both. The demo was very sparse and there wasn't any combat. And it was just walking around this lovely location and bathing in that atmosphere. And then we have seen shots in the trailer with several highly armoured werewolf type dudes coming at you with our like giant hammers and stuff. So I don't know what to think personally, but I'm excited to try it out and I'm excited to hear the finished podcast. Much love to you all. Definitely piqued my interest, size reference to how Capcom really got it right with this reveal in terms of like the balance, you know, what to reveal, what not to reveal. Leave the speculation to the fans so that not just too much is revealed. And that's what I really liked. I think we got some really good teasers, you know, the different house names. But at the same time, we've kind of got more questions than answers, haven't we? And that's, yeah, that's what I really enjoyed about it. That's the right way to do it. Give us just enough. Give us enough to make us want more and no more than that. I definitely agreed with him on that. They didn't show too much. They didn't show too little. I think we can all think of uh, Remake 2 and uh, how much they showed for that. (laughs) They gave away so much. I mean, they had, didn't they have like a flash of one of the phases of Birkin later stages? Why Capcom? I wanted to see that brand new on the game, not in the trailer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I definitely agree on that part. Yeah, because a lot of these trailers can give far too much away. As Cy pointed out, I think we all all agree, we were kind of given a good idea as to the themes and the aesthetic and and kind of the the worldview of what we're going to be stepping into. 
I'd like to say that at least it's not like Resident Evil 6 where they just explode the entire plot into one trailer. (laughs) (laughs) I would definitely like to learn more about what's this conversation that Ethan constantly has with Mia. Whatever it is that they speak about, she says that it's all they ever speak about. And I'm sure it's something regarding to their baby, you know, that Ethan's might just be concerned what's going to happen to them now that they've had this baby. And obviously they're not your average family at this point. And I would yeah. like to learn more about what's going on between them. They seem totally normal to me. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think compared to family Burton with Natalia. <laughs> Throughout the whole trailer, you hear this mentioning of there's a ceremony going on and there's something obviously very dark and sinister, something very serious that's going to occur. And it's no doubt the baby is going to be right in the center of it. Whatever it is that all they ever talk about, it's going to be, you know, something serious that we're going to hopefully find out. You're dead on when you say that that baby is going to be the focal point of whatever evil is at the core of the story for eight. Child sacrifice. (laughs) Yes. Because if you look back at a lot of old cult classic of horror movies and fantasy movies, there's always a child being sacrificed in a ritual. It's because what is a child? A child represents innocence and evil is always trying to destroy innocence. So maybe Capcom's deciding to go with that kind of thing where innocence is sacrificed for the greater good. But who knows? Maybe it could be twisted up in some way. Maybe there's a side effect if Ethan's kid gets killed. Who knows? Maybe we'll have a bad ending where she does get killed. It's that thing where innocence is powerful and the goodness of a child is powerful. I think that's a theme that is echoed through a lot of different stories involving the blood of children. Why do um, people seek the blood of a child? Well, it's because it's untainted blood. The lack of enemy variety in Resident Evil 7 is now being addressed. And we've got, I would describe as an eclectic cast, very reminiscent for me of Code Veronica X in terms of Resident Evil games that have had sort of kind of generic superhero characters with this Transylvanian theme. We're going to get this opportunity to have a slightly more left field cast. Can I openly say I wish that they would stop doing trolls in these games because yeah. it's getting out of hand. Okay, yeah. Capcom, we understand big things are bad. <laughs> and they, they don't do very good explanation of these trolls. Like, well, what, what's the explanation for the RE4 El Gigante? It's like, oh, they tested on the parasite and they got a big ass creature. Like, that's what you're supposed to get out of that. And then the gameplay for these trolls is just kind of like when you think of five. How do you say the name of it? Is it Nidesu? Is yes, it that? Is yes. that the right creature? I think of that one, and that's just all I need to think of for why I never want to see another troll creature in these games again. <laughs> Oh, that boss fight's so annoying. I couldn't agree more. When I was watching the trailer, and so much of it I absolutely loved, but when that troll-sized creature made its appearance, it takes me out of it. You know, I don't want to take the game and the narrative too seriously, but you're drawing me in, Capcom, into this world. To me, it's almost too cartoonish the way it turns up like that and slams its weapon and everything around vibrates. Here's the kicker. Capcom even confirmed that these wolfmen are called lichens, so they're basically just saying, oh yeah, they're werewolves. Okay. I wonder if there's some kind of a, uh, a lab in the area that maybe affected the local wolf population, or maybe they were hybrid with some kind of uh, T-virus entities. Or it was a lot of inbreeding that caused a lot of deformities that eventually led them to become savages. And they look like wolves, but they're not actually wolves. Sorry, what are you suggesting goes on in these remote Eastern European villages? 
Well, <laughs> you consider a lot of ancient history, there's been a lot of stories about how a lot of inbreeding led to a lot of deformities, like that famous one. They lived in a cave along the ocean and were constantly inbreeding to the point they weren't recognizable, and they killed people that ever got close to the area and ate them. Wow. <laughs> this is getting There's a history lesson. <laughs> no, no. I like history. <laughs> The ghouls that we saw living in the cellar. I love those. For me, they were kind of more shambolic and of low intelligence. Uh, they didn't have any speech like, you know, we have with the Banshees. I'm feeling that these could be failed test subjects. I think, Oracle, you, you've alluded to this, that they might also be female. They're certainly wielding weapons. The combat that you have against these that we saw in the trailer relates to the new melee controls that we have. Much more focused combat than Resident Evil 7. You've got guarding and blocking, and you can push-kick these enemies away. I think this is very much displayed in the combat with, that we have with these vampire-looking ghouls. Yes, they're interesting-looking. Plus, it's almost like a callback to Resident Evil 6 the Catacombs. But I love that there's a detail, if you look carefully in the one cutscene of the trailer there, you can actually see that they're female because they do have the uh, bust... Basically, they're rejected, or the ones that were killed, revived somehow. I think they're very attractive, and um, I, I think I actually dated several of them in college. But uh, <laughs> but seriously, I think they just look great. The whole character design, the whole overall art design of 8 just looks like a lot of fun. Ingrained in all of us is the idea of this Victorian-style setting, that sort of 1700s, 1800s, neo-Gothic architecture we associate that with supernatural evil i mean that all of the the great frankenstein dracula they all take place in these great gothic environments that style of environment says supernatural evil people are getting a great mashup of traditional evil styles combined with this chemical corporate evil that we come to associate more of today. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they've taken that and they've put a situation where there's an old evil there that is now combined with the new evil of corporations, the greed of corporations, to combine that with that already built-in idea that those environments are, are places where evil take place, I think is kind of brilliant. And now for a call-in from Hobbs. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Hobbs from Goblin 6. Uh, first off, I wanted to congratulate everybody on the team for the new facelift on the site. Everything looks awesome. You guys have done so much for the Resident Evil community. Keep it up. You guys are doing amazing work. Beautiful, beautiful work. Thank you, guys. So for RE8, definitely very excited. I do love the direction they're going in. I know a lot of people are not too keen on the whole werewolf vampire thing, but so far so good for me. I love it. I dig it. I love the setting. It does seem like it could be a little bit faster paced. It reminds me a little bit of RE4, especially, you know, the, the village section in the beginning of RE4. So it does seem like it's going in that direction, maybe faster paced than probably once you're in the castle, maybe a bit more focused on survival horror there. Definitely very excited for that. What I'm curious about is for everybody on the panel, what are you guys most excited to see? What's the one thing you guys are dreading that hopefully Capcom doesn't mess it up and something that could ruin the experience? And also, do you guys want to keep seeing more of Chris, more of classic RE characters? Or is it time for somebody from the classic games to go out in blazing glory? Do you guys want to see more of the Ethan Mia story? What are your thoughts for what comes after Village? Where does the series go from here? What do you guys think? What do you guys wish? Again, thanks for everything you guys are doing. Stay safe. Stay beautiful. Peace. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Hobbs. Yeah, that was a great call. Thanks, Hobbs. Thank you for the very, very kind things you said at the beginning there as well. Yeah. Sure, I speak for the team. I say we couldn't do it without the support of you guys. Um, Definitely. means so much to hear that. Thank you. 
Hobbs picks up on what a lot of us have seen, the likeness to Resident Evil 4. And that kind of speaks to also what I'm most concerned about, and that would be those outside sections. I'm a little bit concerned how one-dimensional that might be. I'm hoping there's more to that, that the combat is going to have greater depth to it than we got in 7. In terms of what I'm looking forward to the most is the castle, because it's huge. We look at the map that Oracle referenced earlier that comes with the collector's edition. The castle's enormous. And we've only seen quite a limited area in the Maiden demo. Yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to just like a, a pimped out version of the Spencer Mansion, you know, just <laughs> Spencer Mansion on this next gen consoles, not just in terms of how prettier it will look, just the size that we're going to have to explore. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited to just immerse myself in that environment and explore and all the, you know, I'm hoping that it's full of surprises. And for me, every time we get one of these, it's a chance for me to re-experience all the feelings that I had playing the first one, to have that wonderful sense of exploring something for the first time. That for me is the best. Replaying the games is a great benefit, a great bonus, but boy, there's nothing like experiencing it the first time through. There's a surprise around every corner. I liken it to going to Disneyland for the first time. So I'm looking forward to that experience when I get to get into that castle and that village and all the other places. It's going to be like, you know, oh, what's around this corner? What's in this room? What's, you know, when that door opens. You you want to see the horror of the the waiting times you get when you go to Disneyland kind of distilled and (laughs) and put into the castle. (laughs) Very true. Have you ever been, George? Yeah, we went to the one that's over in Florida. Oh, you did? Well, I was just on the cusp of being a grumpy teenager. Nothing changes. You see, I'm, I've got lots of things going around in my head from that trip, but my brain is filtering a lot out, thinking, you know, this is going out publicly to an audience. We better move on quickly. Uh, <laughs> Treading some feisty waters there. Um, <laughs> uh, I was going to draw on the comment he makes of where is the series going after this. And um, yeah. somebody's story is ending in that game. It says so. Whether it's Chris or it's Ethan leaving. Either way, we are going to be missing a character that's part of the main series now. We'll just have to wait until Resident Evil 9 to see how that affects the series. But, you know, if it's Chris leaving, it's going to be massive. This is a character we've had since 1996. I mean, you can't just... It's not like some minor character dying and a few tears are shed and it's really sad. You know, it's not like Piers. Like, Piers was a good mixture of... He was in one game, but he definitely had a lot of material afterwards. And when he died, people were very upset. You think he killed Game of Thrones, Chris? I'm very sorry to any Game of Thrones fans, but uh, <laughs> I've never watched it. My brother gave me a uh, season season one copy one time, and uh, it was missing episode one. And I was like, well, I'm not going into the series. No. <laughs> I'm missing the first episode. Yeah, my main point is just that where is the series going from here? Definitely, if either Ethan or Chris... For whatever reason, if Capcom is balty enough, they kill off one of them or one of them just, just leaves on their own accord. You know, Ethan takes his daughter or Chris is like, I'm done. And he finally retires. They have a, they're going to have a big hole to fill, I feel. Either character, you can't just brush them off and say, oh, well, that was fun. But uh, let's bring in this guy now. They could also do a scenario where they extinct one of the main characters and they could do a thing where it looks like they die. And then they Luke Skywalker them. That could be the scenario as well. It could be a thing where the, you think Chris is dead, and then in the next game, or, or the game after that, they do a thing where they do a flashback to him actually escaping and, and going off and becoming a hermit, not you know not being able to deal with the burden of fighting the system anymore. 
I wonder whether they would do that, you know, go there again as they've done that before with Jill Valentine in, in Resident Evil 5. Yeah. And now for a call in from the Ape of the Hour. Hello, Crimson Head podcast folks. It's Ape of the Hour here. I just thought I'd give you a couple of my thoughts on Resident Evil 8 Village. It looks fantastic, but I know some of the initial things that I wanted to touch on are the aesthetic choices or the art direction in this game, because it's spectacular. I like the integration of this kind of, like, gothic horror aesthetic into the Resident Evil universe. I never thought of it in that way, but I think it could work, and it, it does look rather spectacular. It reminds me a lot of early 2000s gothic horror action movies, kind of like uh, Van Helsing or Underworld, that kind of aesthetic. I'm just wondering how they're going to weave in viruses and, like, Umbrella, or even if there is umbrella maybe this is before all of that maybe it's completely unrelated after all resident evil 4 included a virus that was just out in the wilds it wasn't like obtained or released by umbrella i really love their choice to make chris a villain or at least it, it appears like he's a villain he almost is dressed like albert wesker with this long like trench coat and the leather gloves and things like that and like this very cold aspect to him i'm really interested to see how they explore chris how they explore ethan how he's changed since the events of resident evil 7 this game is shaping up to be truly something else and so i'm really hyped for it zombie girl what do you think is going to happen with chris and the baby and ethan i think chris waltzing in and popping me in the face um <laughs> I have a suspicion it's going to be a red herring somehow. Yeah, this whole that. Chris is going evil, you know, we're about to see the dark side of Chris. I just think it's a red herring. I just I, I can't see that for his character. His character has seen too much terrible things done by yep. corporations like Umbrella to just suddenly go, oh, well, maybe they were right all along. Like, no, I just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think if he was going to go evil, I think it'd have to be he's got something twisted in his mind, you know, or... And right. Him just cold blooded shooting Mia. Something, something's afoot about no, there's, it. It's a deep part of the story. It has to be. We have covered a lot of the elements of the Maiden demo during our responses to the call ins and as our discussions went deeper in terms of what we saw in the trailer and some of the aspects we've been looking forward to. In terms of anything we may have missed out on or wanted to add to the demo Maiden, what is it? It's a side story that takes place, of course, in the same world as Resident Evil Village, uh, but at a different time. And we're going to come to that with one of the first files that we find. Instead of playing as Ethan Winters, you play as a female protagonist known only as Maiden. It's our goal to try and escape out of the castle. There's no combat. The focus is very much on exploration and puzzles. Interestingly, because it uses all the same RE7 mechanics and plays very similar to the kitchen demo from Resident Evil 7, it also uses the Resident Evil 7 inventory, I noticed, as opposed to the attache case that they have in Resident oh. Evil 4 that we've been told is going to be utilised in the main game. That kind of maybe suggests to me it was kind of sort of early in development before that change was uh, considered. Interesting. But we start off, as we know, imprisoned in that area that we believe is going to be linking the village to the castle, that underground lair. What were your thoughts just in terms of what you thought the look of the game, the aesthetic, the lighting? It looks amazing. With the developments NVIDIA and Unreal, developments these days in video graphics, I think we can expect to see a lot of really beautiful games coming out. We have the power now to make amazing looking stuff. 
which I applaud because the burden is going to shift to the storytellers. Now we've got this box of tools that we can create great visuals. We're getting to a point in the evolution of video graphics that we're able to pretty much do whatever we want to now. We used to have to compromise a lot because we could not get the look that we wanted. We had to go with what hardware was able to give us. Now we've gotten to the point where hardware is powerful enough and our software packages are powerful enough that we can do anything we want. Having great graphics is going to be a given. So it's going to be innovation in terms of the look of games, innovation in terms of game mechanics and puzzles and how do we play these games. And then it's the story. It's going to become much more important for companies to be able to come up with great narratives. The onus is on the storytellers. So the craft of storytelling is going to start becoming much more important. That, for me, is why Resident Evil shouldn't constrain itself. And you mentioned it before about how this hallucination, and it works okay with you, the paranormal, because it is just a symptom of a disease which is steeped more in reality. But I'm right, quite right. happy. It's really been shown off, hasn't it, in the, in the Maiden demo, just the bloodborne people have referenced and the completely different, you know, this vampiric, I, I promised I wouldn't use that word again, but as, <laughs> as aesthetic that we have. And, yeah. and that's jarred with, with many fans in terms of, well, that's not Resident Evil. But with these greater tools can open the developers' imaginations up further and I think should embrace other styles of horror. I don't see why Resident Evil should be constrained to just pharmacy. It absolutely shouldn't be. Absolutely shouldn't be because the evolution of the story, canon is canon, but you can expand canon. And the job of the developers is to, with every game, evolve that canon, bring it forward, add new things. There's no reason why the vampiric aspect of this game cannot be folded into the continuation of the story of, of Resident Evil. You know, what a difficult thing for Capcom to do. I, I don't think when they started this thing out, they knew that they were creating a storyline that was going to evolve for generations. Uh, we've got people who were in their 20s and 30s when the first game came out who now have kids of their own that are discovering the storylines of Resident Evil. So now they find themselves in the position of having to continue that story. They have to keep bringing fresh ideas in, much to the chagrin of the hardcore Resident Evil people who don't want anything to change and they want the same characters in every game. You have to honor that, but you have to evolve at the same time. They say all growth is painful. Well, you're never going to please everybody with when you expand on a story that people, you know, there's no way it's going to please everybody. You cannot please all of the people all the time. So I like the direction that Resident Evil is going in. Really showing off that technological leap that, that we've had over the years, the mechanics and the presentation of Lady Dimitrescu's three daughters. What did everyone think about their design, the way they moved at you, the way that they, they metamorphosized? From what we were able to see of the one, because they really emphasize on the blonde one a lot, but from what we saw in the trailers and in the demo, the movement's pretty good, but also very scary, because you don't know if they're going to form up behind you or just suddenly appear in front of you, which is pretty good, because it'd be constantly dealing with jump scares if you don't know they're there. Uh, right. Yeah. I love the fact that they're almost random in the way that they would kind of shoot forward, teleport almost. I have one detail I wanted to point out. Are we supposed to believe Maiden is set more in like the, the 50s when uh, you see those documents dating back to then? 
whether the date of the file is, you know, similar to like the George Trevor letters, you know, that we find in remake, retreading the steps of someone that was there many, many years before us. What's interesting is if you examine the fireplace, there's clothes in the fire that you yourself as the character in the demo say, oh, looks like my own clothes. And they do seem to match one of the villagers that we see in the ring circle holding hands, performing some sort of incarnation. Those scenes, some have suggested they may be taking place a different time than Ethan, but from what I've seen in the gameplay of Village, you can see Ethan's hands and his arms. I think they are both in the same time zone. At the beginning, one of the hanging corpses wearing the black dress does very much seem to be the same character model as as, as the lady wearing the black dress that you see quite prominently in, in one of the earlier trailers. Zombie Gold talks about the file that we first find by the castle worker, bemoaning what it's like to work in the castle in 1958. But we also have that typical test subject file referencing candidates and rejects. And the three candidates that you get are named Irina, Michaela and Lewis, which I was thinking perhaps those are the names of the three vampire banshees. But in the other file that we have that references Miss Daniela, who is she referencing there? Is that one of the ladies? And does these three test subjects are three different people? Can I have a theory? Yeah. I love theories. <laughs> <laughs> what if it is one of the daughters and the other one is one of the daughters that was sacrificed? Oh. That stone relief that we see with, is it like a fourth figure that's having a sword put through them? Yeah. Yeah, you got like yeah, three yeah, daughters yeah. and you got Lady D and then a male sacrifice and the one daughter is being choked while they stab the man. So it's likely, if like my theory was, that they sacrificed one of the daughters with a man sacrifice and then they replaced the daughter with a new one. Well, I was thinking because those three names, actually, the first two are clearly female. The last one being Louis. Perhaps that is Louis. Perhaps you've identified Louis. Yeah. They're going for a matriarchy, that's for sure. <laughs> the bell tolls for us all. They're coming again. What if they do this after every X amount of years when the new generation of children are born? And then they hunt down these children to find the perfect ones for either maiden's blood to become a daughter or maybe experimentations. Because there is a female character from the village trailer that we see several times. And she's always constantly being pulled away. The one point of the trailer is where they open a door and a man's pointing the gun at her and people are assuming that it's like an escort mission because of that. And the yes. ritual scene, she's there too. So maybe she has to do something with this as well because she's a young maiden. Maybe her father keeps pulling her away and wanting her to stay at home so she doesn't get taken. Chris? Sorry, Ethan. Why? After we were showcased Resident Evil Village, Capcom then finally revealed what's been behind the 25th anniversary surprise. And we got a celebration update from producer Tiosi Kanda, where Capcom unveiled a brand new online multiplayer game, Resident Evil Reverse, featuring fan favorite characters from across the series, clashing across familiar locations, iconic locations that are very much beloved to us. Whether that means we do or don't want to now see it in this type of game, that's going to be interesting to find out. Buying Resident Evil Village will also grant us access to this celebration of the franchise's anniversary. What is our opinion? Is this a fitting celebration of 25 years of Resident Evil? 
I was there in the freaking Twitch streams and the YouTube when they were streaming and I was watching what everybody was saying and the moment they showed us Reverse, there was so much despair. Everybody was upset. I seen people screaming, what about mercenaries? What about raid mode? What about outbreak? We don't want this. The fan base are just pretty much saying, Capcom, we've been begging you for so many years to bring back Outbreak, and you do this to us. Yeah. You have the technology, you have these characters, and you're giving us another shoot 'em up, kill yeah, each other, PvP encounter, instead of giving us the stories we want to play again. We have the technology now to actually give Outbreak a chance because back then, people playing on the internet and doing online stuff was in its infancy because it was still new. Yeah. A lot of us back then didn't even have internet and with all the advanced technologies, the advanced graphics and storytelling and stuff, they can bring back Outbreak and give us a better story or even expand it on because they had to cut a lot of stuff back then that they could yeah. bring back. And with the internet being more stronger than it was, that's a good opportunity. But with Reverse, they just want to say, here, fight each other. Okay, but it's not as fun as what many of us were used to, you know? We, we do that in some of the other mercenary-type modes in the other games, but it gets repetitive after a while, especially when it gets all competitive towards each other. I was not happy when I found out about this game. I was at work trying to sneak some <laughs> watching the free poo in. You know, you kept hearing about this surprise, this beta testing was going on behind closed doors. What is it for? And then I find out it's for our Everse. And my first reaction legitimately was I rolled my eyes and went, really? Um, <laughs> Far politer response than mine. See, my reaction was just because I know that this game is going to have its market. There's definitely mercenary games like this. It goes pretty far back, for sure, these mercenary modes in the games. But to make that the 25th anniversary, though, was what I was so upset about. Because the last time we got the 20th anniversary, we got Umbrella Corps. And I only need to mention that name to just piss off a few people in the fandom because of how terrible that game is to some of those who have, including me, unfortunately played it and found how broken it is as a shooter for the Resident Evil series. We're not being sort of like lost snobs over this. You make a good point to me, girl, that these games, it's not just about style of game. That game was also broken. So even if you are a fan of that style, you're going to get limited enjoyment from it because you're absolutely correct. Umbrella Core was very, very broken, no matter if you're playing it on controller or if you're playing it on keyboard and mouse. And when I saw our reverse get announced, I was thinking, oh my God, we're about to have another Umbrella Core. At least this one's free because <laughs> I bought it two years ago for a dollar ninety and I still think I got charged too much for it. Um <laughs> Aaron can tell me if I'm wrong, but... I can just, tell you everything. <laughs> is the gameplay of this, you're running around as whoever you pick from the series that they're offering, and you have to shoot each other? Yes, pretty much. Run around, shoot each other. If you die, you come back as a B.O.W., or you die and respawn. There's so a point fun. system, too, so I don't know what that's for. I'm just not much of a fan of that. Some people will like that, but I'm mostly worried because I heard about Resistance and I, I heard that game was very broken because you could get masterminds at level 94 and you could get the testers who are, you know, yes. level one. I must say that Al Yang, one of the producers of Resistance, has kept faithful to the fans and has often tweeted out, as of course has Capcom as well, the various patches that have tried to and have certainly aligned some of those disparities. It's not that it's this style of game, it's that Capcom have chosen to celebrate the anniversary, the 25th anniversary, in this way. 
it makes me feel like Capcom is really not listening to the fans. The fans they must be listening to, in my honest opinion, must be the ones who will play games like this, who like Call of Duty, they like action. There's nothing wrong with liking an action game. Of course. It's just for the 25th anniversary... I know we're probably never going to see another Outbreak game, but, you know, they must not like the thought of making money because... <laughs> <laughs> I'd buy it. And it just shows that they don't pay all too attention to the fans because I have seen countless of people on Twitter say they want Outbreak back. They don't even want a remade version of the game. They just want it remastered. They just want the, yeah. the graphics touched up. What makes it even more frustrating, Zombie Girl, is, is you talk about Capcom listening to their fans, to their audience. And not that long ago, through Resident Evil Net, surveys were sent out asking us exactly what we wanted to see in future Resident Evil games. And I just can't believe the overwhelming response was, we want to see something resembling Resident Evil Reverse. I said before that Remake 3 to me was a physical disappointment, but I feel like my Reverse is about to second that one on my list. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to find out now whether we've been a little bit too harsh over to the oracle dragon and her review of resident evil reverse this is the oracle dragon's review of reverse this game mode is likely heavily influenced by resident evil 6's survivors mode in which it is a solo to a team-based versus mode that added a twist of you being killed and responding as a bow so you can continue to play and if you kill another player as a BOW, you return to human and the process repeats till the person gets the highest score. Unlike survivor mode where if you kill a human as a BOW, you return as a human. In reverse, if you kill a human, you will continue to killing until you die as a BOW. You play as characters from Resident Evil 7, Remake 2, and Remake 3. For example, Chris, Claire, Leon, Jill, Ada, and Hunk. While the BOWs are Fat Molded, Jack Baker, the Super Tyrant, Gamma, or Hunter Y, or MA-124, and Nemesis, and have unique abilities and various attacks. The game has a simple tutorial on how to play the game. It's very easy to understand the controls. The game is PvP, player versus player, where you fight each other and earn points. There are virus samples around the map. The more you collect, the better your mutation will be upon your death. There is a chance that if you do not collect any samples, you can mutate into a fat molded. But there is also another chance that you won't mutate at all and just die and respawn. When you do respawn, you have temporary immunity or iframes, as a lot of people say that. And I also notice that some BOWs, when they do certain attacks and melees, I notice that they do get the immunity frames, but it's only for like a few brief seconds. I guess that gives them player a chance to be able to run around and continue attacking, or at least go through the animation of the death scene. Because with Jack Baker, if he grabs hold of you to the, Welcome to the family! You go in the first person and have him punch you in the face. So I guess that would work out, especially with the super tyrant when he's impaling you upon his claws and he needs the temporary moment to flick you off, you know. To me personally, I had a really lot of fun playing this game, but it's always good fun to play it with friends. There are healing herbs and ammo containers scattered across the map, so you have to keep wandering around to refill your ammo because you have limited ammo for the weapons. Depending on which character you are, you have either machine gun to pistols. Ada has the crossbow again. <laughs> Also, there are special weapons that do spawn on the map. You have to look around for them because they spawn in various different locations. And you have to be quick to grab them. And most of them are just one-time use, so use that very carefully when you're encountering a BOW you want to get rid of quickly or somebody who has the highest score because you can steal their points or at least their kill count. I believe the respawn points are randomized too. I think that could be exploited by people who want to be jerks. 
but with the time limit of each match being like five minutes, I don't think that's possible for people to camp spawn points to try to earn points that way. With the respawn points being randomized, that's a very good thing. Once you get used to the controls and how to play it, it's very, very fun. I never got angry once, even with the serious lag issues I was having for the first two days of the beta release. I didn't care at all because I was finally able to play and I was like, oh yeah, this is excellent, this is so fun. <laughs> and yeah, there is a scoring system with this and the more kills you get, the higher your points are. And if you get killed, you lose your points. And if Capcom implements a type of shop system with the points you get, or at least save up the points for something big, it could be like new skins, new characters, and stuff like that. But with the point system, I can see people can be jerks and get really peeved off about that, especially when they're like, oh, I gotta be S tier rank if I'm going to get the max out points and stuff like that. People, please don't be jerks like that. Everybody just wants to have fun. Now, like I said about unlocking skins or other characters, that would be great, Capcom. Give us some more characters, more locations, more different skin designs and stuff like that. Maybe bring back side characters like Tofu or even Chief Irons. Bring back Ethan, maybe Mia or Zoe or Joe or... Yeah, Joe Baker. Yeah, Mr. Fisticuffs there. Now imagine that, confrontation with him and Jack. Da, da, da. <laughs> Also, Capcom, a suggestion would be having like various different game modes, such as team versus team, team versus BOWs. Maybe get ideas from Resident Evil 6's various modes. I know people don't like 6, but side modes and mercenaries and stuff like that is always good fun. Maybe even even collect the um, most virus containers across the map. Perhaps a boss versus player battle where players fight iconic bosses from the series and must work together to defeat them. Sound familiar? Maybe Elimination? You know, Capcom? I know a lot of us are nagging you guys to bring back some classics, Mercenaries, Raid Mode, and Outbreak. But with Raid Mode, like Revelations 2, you should at least expand on that to allow more friends to play with each other. And if you're going to make another co-op game, make sure you allow it to be online. It would be interesting if they gave us in Village the agent hunt thing from 6. I had fun playing that. It was always good fun chasing other players around to see if I can catch them and kill them or at least hinder their progress when they were playing with a friend or stuff. I really enjoyed doing that. As long as you don't get too overboard with that, you know. The game does have a lot of more room for new ideas and suggestions. I enjoyed it. I really had fun. I was like, I know I'm shooting people over here. Oh, da, da, da. oh I'm dead. Oh, well, let's do this again. I'm a freaking gamma. <laughs> and next thing you know, oh, I'm dead again. But wait, I'm Jack Baker. Yeah. I know one time I lagged so bad, I lagged right into a Mr. X insta-kill. And I laughed so hard because, oh, poor Chris. <laughs> He did not see that coming. I was just running along next thing now. Oh, oh, poor Chris. Oh, that looked like it hurt. Oh. <laughs> all in all, I really like playing as Jack the best because you get to swirl around and use your stuff. And I like to try grabbing people and punching them in the face because that animation is so cool. Welcome to the family. <laughs> if you guys are looking for improvement, you could probably bring back the various different forms of Birkin or even a G-Mutant or even a Crimson Head for Remake. You know, there's so many possibilities you guys can add into this game. The best thing to do with this game is to at least give us custom options, the ability to control who joins the map, let us set up how we want this to play out. Like, give us the control of the timer. Is it for friends? Is it a private match? With a lot of mercenary modes and raids modes, it is always better to play with friends than with random people. Because when you play with friends, you can play it for 
hours and not even realize it. Pop on the game to the game friend thingy option, I'm sorry. <laughs> and just say, hey buddy, you wanna join? You wanna play? Yeah, next thing you know it's 2 to 3 a.m. or even 8 a.m. and you're like, holy crap, we just spent several hours playing it. <laughs> so yeah, that's my review of Reverse. Cheers! So thank you, thank you very much Oracle Dragon. Fantastic detailed review. Just to end the podcast on a very positive note, on March the 10th, our website, crimsonhead.com, will be 10 years old. We will be releasing exclusive interviews with some of the iconic developers from Resident Evil's early Amid development. We'll be celebrating the 10th anniversary with Satoshi Nakai, lead artist and designer for Resident Evil Zero and Code Veronica X. Kazo Hiro Aoyama, Resident Evil 3 director, who we've been very lucky enough to interview on a podcast before. Kenichi Awa, lead writer on Resident Evil and Parasite Eve, and was very much significant in contributing to the Resident Evil that we all know and love. We will also be celebrating with Ryoji Shimogama, who was the enemy designer for both Resident Evil and Resident Evil 2. Mitsuru Kuwahata, who was the room designer for Resident Evil. All that to look forward to and to celebrate with our team and with you. So that just about wraps it up for us here at the Crimson Head Podcast. Let's give a big shout out to Zombie Girl for joining the team. Hey! (laughs) How articulate. She only communicates in growls, Joe. Don't you know this? I did know that. Rawr! Rawr! (laughs) That's all you need to do to join the team. (laughs) Thank you very much for joining us today. Here's a big goodbye from George Trevor, the architect. This is a big goodbye for me. Take care, stay safe, and don't forget to hit that download button. And here's uh, the Oracle Dragon. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. I hope you all stay safe out there, and don't forget to check out the website, and hopefully soon you guys will be into the horror of Resident Evil Shane's story soon. And Zombie Girl 880 Bye, everybody, and thank you all for welcoming me to the team so nicely. I appreciate it. Let's do a group RAR. Ready? One, two, three. I'm Joe White, the voice of Chris Redfield. When I'm not surviving the horror of the Spencer Mansion, I'm listening to the Crimson Head Elder podcast. This is Katie O'Hagan, the voice of Mia Winters, and when I'm not babysitting temperamental bioweapons, I'm listening to the Crimson Head Elder podcast. My name is Richard Waugh. Just think of me as a ghost from the past. This is Paula Rhodes, Evelyn in Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. This is Michelle Ruff, the voice of Jill Valentine. I'm Riva DePala, the voice of Rebecca Chambers. Hi, my name is Allison Court. My name is Sarah Coates, the voice of Marguerite Baker, and you are listening to Crimson Head Elder Podcast. Want to come to dinner?